Hello, everybody, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock, and I am pleased to welcome back to the podcast after a short hiatus, Mr. Colin Doyle. Doyle, how are you doing? Good to be back. I uh, I didn't listen to it, but I understand, uh, according to Rosie and Challen, they hit it out of the park. Makes me wonder why I'm back sitting here at all. Now, did you see Rosie's tweet where he tagged you? How could I see a tweet? <laughs> well, do you want me to show you the tweet? I don't. Okay. I don't right. want to see the tweet. Uh, I'm I'm sure Rosie tweeted about it. That does that does not shock me. That happens, yeah. It does. So happy to hear they filled in. Thank you. It was hard for me to get down last week. Just tied up with other things, but I figured with The Rock having a week off, we could have a, a super strong showing here we've got lots to discuss the uh the sports world ablaze obviously with a million things going on and then we've got so i feel like we have so much nll to talk about uh i did get a chance to watch a little bit over the last few weeks so we can discuss that we can break the rocks game down obviously versus the bandits and looking ahead to what will be a tremendous matchup this Friday at the uh, Scotiabank Centre. So we got lots to get into, so I'll let you take the lead. Okay, so I know you want to talk about Kobe Bryant and uh, his unfortunate passing on uh, Sunday, and I, I feel sometimes, too, when I've heard things and people say unfortunate, I, I don't even like hearing that because it's not just unfortunate, it's tragic, it's, it's terrible. Um, the one thing that... Uh, was really interesting to track from what I thought was just how real everything was and how everything was happening in real time, I thought. And a lot yeah. of the reactions happened because it was on a Sunday and it was a Sunday where there were games going on in various sports. You had the Pro Bowl, you had NBA games going on. It was somewhat of a regular sports day when all this stuff was developing. So it wasn't like, to me, it wasn't like everybody had time to think about how they were going to react to it. Everybody just kind of reacted to it the way that they truly felt. And I think that was kind of different than a lot of other tragedies that we see where people seem to have kind of time to prepare their reaction and emotion. And this was all very raw and real time, I felt. Yeah, and with social media, obviously, and the timing, it's gonna you're going to get that. I, I was trying to think on my drive down here today. I can't remember... I mean, I can't remember something so tragic happening so out of the blue with somebody of that stature. I, I, I know I'm missing some things, but I got to think all the way back to Michael Jackson. Yeah. When you just kind of like, hey, you know, Michael Jackson died. What? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like obviously news starts to break and you find out. But we were here at the track. We were running our programs and Chow said something. I was like, what? And then obviously I don't get a chance to sit down and watch TV or read the press till you know, I get home at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And uh, man, it was uh, yeah, it's tragic. And I think I think we should talk about it because we're all athletes. Everybody listening to this is in somewhat engaged in sports, yeah. and I think we owe it to to him. And the the tragedy, I think, above all else, is you know the families on the on the helicopter with him and his own daughter. I think this is just it adds a tremendous amount of insult to injury. But I think you know, in remembering Kobe, I wasn't a huge fan of Kobe's. Like he wasn't you know my guy. I was actually tuned out of basketball for most of his tenure you know I was still a Pistons fan I'd follow we we had some good runs there uh back in those days but the one thing I did want to talk about uh whether it's worth anything or not is he's kind of like the last of a of a dying breed and you see it in basketball and then if you you, you know we've talked about it on, on this podcast before when it transfers to lacrosse about how the dynamic of the players is changing and how that killer instinct is you know kind of no longer 
And, you know, he was, he carried that tradition. He carried that, you know, prior to Michael Jordan, probably the generation before Jordan, they all had that instinct. They didn't care about being friends with anybody. They didn't care about any of that. They just wanted to win at all costs. Yeah. And then Jordan had that in spades. And I think as the legend goes with Jordan, that was his biggest trait was his competitiveness, his willing to cut your throat in a game of 21, anything to win. And then I think Kobe took that and ran with it. And I think LeBron's got a little bit of that. Um, but if you look at the basketball world and you watch pregame, postgame, it's it's really a buddy-buddy league. And, you know, there isn't much of that left. And I think we, we ought to honor, you know, his ability. And it's a hard thing to do. And we'll talk about it in lacrosse world. But his ability to, to earn players' respect while going after them all and really hold, no holds barred, I think it's quite a tricky thing. And, uh, you know, if I look back at my career and looking back at the players I started playing with and kind of their philosophy – Pat Coyle, the Darius Kilgores, Rich Kilgores, JT, like Dallas Elliott. You know, there were no buddies. This is my me versus you, my team versus your team. That's it that matters. And yeah. as you watch things evolve, and we talked about this, I think, at some point, you know, as my career went on and the change in the personality and the change in the character of, of certain, you know, people you were sitting in a room with, that you know, that had kind of gone by the wayside. And if you look at the league today, you know, you know in my generation you had Shooter, Josh, he was like that. Krug was like that. You know, I, I I'd like to feel that I learned a lot from those guys to be able to have that capacity to to earn players' respect, but while trying to beat them. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a it's a difficult thing. And I think nowadays, I mean, you could probably count it on one hand in this league the players that still got that. And I think you know Evans is obviously one that kind of comes to mind, and to a certain extent, Dolby and. Uh, you know, if we really went through this, and this is great fodder for people on, you know, who want to chime in, let us know like where that still exists, and we won't go through it all today. But it pains me that that is gone, um, mm. and or at least dying, uh, because it's sad. Because I think that kind of competitiveness and and um, that drive, I think, is what makes great athletes. And uh, you know, it's I, I don't like that I don't see as much of it. And I think when we talk about the Rock. I still think that's one component this team kind of sorely mm-hmm. misses. And we'll talk about it a bit with Robbie and get his take uh, when we have him on today. But I think if, uh, you know, take the take everything aside, the tragedy is the tragedy. And obviously it's a horrible, horrible thing, especially with, you know, daughters of my own uh, and, and losing such a legend. But from a sports from a sports thing, I think, you know, it's important for me because, you know, I saw that in him and I admired that about him. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a shame that he's gone. And uh, obviously he wasn't perfect. He made mistakes. I'm not here to talk about any of that. But as an athlete, he had that killer instinct that just doesn't exist as much. Uh, you know, you think uh, Patrick Merrill's another one. I, You know, we could talk about this all day long, but uh, it's an awesome trait and it's a very hard road to navigate. And uh, I wish we'd see more of it in lacrosse. Yeah, and I think another thing that I found really fascinating was the, the number of uh – I guess contacts, touch points he had with other elite athletes and how those guys who you think are at the top of their sport still saw him as a mentor. Like even in other sports, you know, like Novak Djokovic spoke quite a bit about it, about how Kobe was his mentor. And and all these guys seem to have met him or actually interacted with him. And this is the one thing where sometimes it's like posting that photo on social media is sometimes just a photo right whereas now it's like all these guys you know like 10 years ago 15 years ago it's it's 
these guys meeting them and having that chance, even if it's to interact for a few minutes or whatever. But, you know, and I guess have found him maybe as a mentor from afar, but some of the people that were mentored by him, you know, and and that's where I'm just like, this guy transcended, like, that's right. Just everything. And, and transcended North America with his with his roots and everything coming out of Europe. Like, he, he and, you know, I heard something on the radio the other day that he had he kind of was the first athlete to really recognize what uh, the Orient brought to the, to the mm-hmm. sporting world, to the financial world. And he really embraced that. So he was a worldwide phenomenon. But you wonder, you know, like uh, in just speaking with him for 10 minutes, what these elite athletes would have learned. And, and you wonder how it changed their path. Uh, because like, you know, he probably was such a unique guy to speak to because he had, he had a way about him and it was, uh, like I said, it's unique. You just don't see much about it. Like I imagine, you know, trying to beat him in a game of ball hockey when yeah. he was eight years old, you know, he'd just keep playing you till he beat you. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you know, people like that, that you grew up with. And, uh, you know, I, I remember those things. And like I said, I tried to have as much of that in me as possible. So I don't know if I ever was successful with it, but like I said, to have that killer instinct and then to have everybody's respect, I think it's uh, it's truly a phenomenon. It's truly phenomenon. a phenomenon uh, that we don't see enough of. And like I said, it, you can watch the basketball world. It, it's so obvious and easy to see. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, this generation of lacrosse players, I think, uh, lacks a bit of that. For good or bad or indifferent, it doesn't matter. But I just... I miss those. I miss those athletes that were, uh, you know, all or nothing. Do you think some of this is going to have an impact on some of these younger athletes and whatnot? Because you see right now, I mean, again, love it or hate it, social media is an incredibly powerful tool. But a lot of what is coming out of this are some of his quotes and all the talk about his work ethic and the Mamba mentality. And like you're saying, the compete level, the all this kind of stuff. And you start to see, like, if people are really starting to watch and see what kind of an effect he had on so many people because of everything that you've just mentioned about his, the mentality and the way he approached things and the way he always wanted to be successful and be the best and all that kind of stuff. Do you do you think that, you know, this could have an effect on other people, the amount I, that it's out there right now? Because even, like, some of the sports shows, like, I'm watching, you know, last night, Jay and Dan are still Monday night into the Tuesday morning loop are still almost like half their show is about Kobe. Yeah, maybe. And maybe there was so little that the public knew about it. I yeah. knew it. Maybe you knew it. We, we follow sports. We kind of were in tune yeah. with the, what his legacy was. And this was a super competitive, you know, driven athlete that was yeah. just so driven to be, not only be the best, but to win and to carry on a legacy of being the hardest worker, which I think is where, you know, Jordan comes into play. He was always yeah. eager to to replace Jordan and he knew what it was going to take. So I don't know, maybe, maybe people because of the skipping generation, maybe they don't know that maybe it will, but ultimately I think it's social media and I think it's business. And I think it's all these other things. And if you look at it from the lacrosse perspective, like lacrosse is such a small world and so many people are trying to make a living from lacrosse. It's, it gets convoluted and it gets confusing mm-hmm. because, you know, ultimately you're trying to win a game, but you also don't want to, step on anybody's toes because you might need a business favor like i just think the way the world is moving uh, i think that's what you know back in the day they didn't nobody cared beyond that game no i can like i I can remember the first game at the gardens i ever played i can remember almost being choked out to death by rich kilgore 
I, yeah, you know, he didn't care. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? He, I had, I had run their captain and I, this was punishment for what I had done. And he was just living in that moment. I think nowadays everybody thinks three steps ahead. And I think that kind of takes away from, you know, what is real and that, mm-hmm. that competitive drive to win that game, to win the championship, to, to be a better than the player across from you. And all those things that I think I, I was lucky enough to learn so early you know, from some of the greats I played with, and I really recognize the value in that. And uh, you know, like I said, I just don't see as much of it. And again, I don't, I don't imagine this is just me. And I hope it's not just a generational thing where you're looking back saying, because I always want to be protective of that, saying, well, the game's not the way it used to be. I don't, I don't want to be that. But I think that that instinct, uh, you know, that instinct uh, is is a is a lost art. And Kurt Miloski had it. He still got it. You just mm-hmm. watch him coach. He's just that guy. And uh, you know, he's earned people's respect and he's gone after them and winning is number one. So, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting conversation, but I felt like maybe we have it. Uh, obviously, it's uh, like I said, the tragedy is is horrible and there is no, you know, the, the loss of life is horrendous. And like I said, I, I can't imagine being I can't remember being taken back, you know, in such shock. Mm hmm since Michael Jackson. And I, and again, I hope somebody fills me and say, Hey, what about remember when we lost so-and-so, but I yeah. don't remember that, 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 that feeling of just simply what, wait a minute, what? Yeah. You know, we've lost important people, you know, maybe they were sick and there was some sort of lead into it, but something just like that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and obviously then, then you realize, well, look, I'm not even a Kobe Bryant fan. And I've, I had all this emotion about maybe what he meant to me. And I, I wasn't even a Kobe guy. Yeah. You know, imagine all these millions and billions of people that were fans of his. So, um, anyway, that's that. Um, obviously we mourn and we move on. Well, moving on, we'll, uh, we'll catch up on, uh, some stuff we did, uh, touch on, on the podcast a little bit last week with a couple of the participants in the last rock game against Buffalo, which were, uh, Nick Rose and Challen Rogers were with us last week, but, uh, Doily will now uh, kind of <clears throat> get your take on the game and uh, a game that's, you know, it, it followed in some ways, sometimes a familiar script, but, you know, a good start for the Rock, a little bit of a slowdown offensively. The other team takes the lead, and then, you know, we're right back in it at the end of the night, and we had some opportunities there where didn't cash in on the power play, and uh, they got a couple of breaks, I think, in that game too, the penalty shot, and, uh, you know, there, there were some thing, things that went their way. We had opportunities to make things go our way that maybe we didn't take advantage of. But um, overall, I think Nick Rose, again, gave them a chance to win. But we were playing with a little bit of a, a short deck, so to speak, with missing some guys as well. So so let's digest uh, all of what you so just said. So fire it up. Yep. <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, I, th- I thought they played hard. I, I, I you know... Let's not forget the game Matt Vince gave the, uh, the Bandits. I thought he was spectacular. Yeah, I mean both uh, goaltenders were great. Yeah, and yep. Nick Nick was phenomenal. Let's uh, start. What a great lacrosse game! You know, mm-hmm. I, I've seen some garbage this year, and uh, we'll touch on that later. <laughs> okay. But this was a tremendous lacrosse game, and uh, I, I thought, for all all intents and purposes, the Rock may have deserved better. They fought hard. They were obviously shorthanded. You, you take two of the top guns out of any lineup and it, it's hard to generate offense so you can't negate that um everybody stepped up and played well you know dan craig i think had nothing but i thought he played hard i thought he was doing the right things he just didn't stick any in there and we'll touch on him later but ultimately they put themselves in a position to win the game 
let's hope that this game doesn't come back and haunt them. And the way that things are trending, you start to see, like, maybe it does. Like, both Buffalo yeah. and Halifax get big wins on the road last weekend. Uh, you know, so they're just starting to pull ahead. But they played hard. Defensively, they, they were good. Um, offensively, we had some good spurts. I think the concern on offense, again, if I'm t- and again, I hate to re- repeat myself, but these timely power plays, uh, that's a concern. How, how can we generate a couple of goals on that to take the lead and maybe yeah. turn? Because obviously, you know how it works in lacrosse. When we don't get ours, sure enough, like you said, the, the really the penalty shot call comes up because you knew they were going to return the favor. It always happens, and that's why you got to get two. You got the five on three, and then the five minute power play. You've got to generate something because yeah. you know it's going to come back around, and you got to have a little bit of a lead, or you got to be back in the game when it does happen. Um, so they were re- they were in a position even with that power play not functioning, they come back and tie it up, and they played hard. I love the effort. I love the game. I th- again, I thought Vince was amazing. The, the Rock could have won that game even as shorthanded as they were. But when you, and it's hard to put into words, but when you break this thing down, you know, why was that left side donuts? They, you know, they didn't play bad. You can't look no, at any of them and say. they had some great chances. Dan Craig, like late especially, yeah. look at some of the chances we had in that game at various points. And especially even in the first quarter, it's 3-1. It could have been 5-1 very easily. And, I, you know, like you have to look at the reality of the situation, and this is the tough conversation because I felt like they, they played hard. I can remember a shift where Dan Craig went down, played defense, took the ball from Dane Smith, came down, had an offensive. They played hard. They played well. But at some point when they're given their opportunity, this is the Dan Littner thing from last year, you've got to produce yep. if you're given the chance. And I don't want to run them down because, like I said, they played hard. But why are they getting nothing in a game like that when essentially the top guns are out, aside from Robbie, and here's your chance. Give us two and three. Give us four and one. Put you Give over the top. One. Give us one. Yeah. So I, I think, and you know what? Why can't those two, why can't those be power play goals? You know, yeah. they're obviously taking everything away from the right side. They did not want Robbie shooting the ball. You've got to draw. You've got to burn them from the left side. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it's infuriating because I think we've been down this road. And when we talked about talk about depth scoring, it's one thing when you're getting it. But I felt like you know they weren't depth guys in Buffalo. Yeah, it was time to step up and shine. You know, you're missing Tommy. You're missing Jonesy. Why can't we get anything when we need it? So. You know, let's let things play out. I'm not going to beat them up too bad. I'm, I, it's not worth it. Like I said, I thought they all played good games. It, it's just production is production. And in a 10-8 game when it was 8-8, man, how big would a goal be from somebody other than 10? So you look at it that way, you know, it's tough. So we got to get some answers there. Yeah. And I said I felt like we went through this with – we've gone through with Dan now for a couple of years. We've seen some great and we've seen some lows and we've seen some kind of mediocrity. We had it with Littner. You know, when's he going to cement that job mm-hmm. and give us two again? So you got to navigate this, but we got to find a way to score a few goals, especially when we need them. So uh, you move on. Uh, one thing that did impress me was Buffalo speed. I thought um, in transition they were really good. That Priolo played an unbelievable game. I yeah. think he is, he is spectacular. And offensively they have that uh, – they have Dane – who's a really tough one-on-one check. He's so quick. And then that other kid on the right side, 
who I could do without his antics after the goals. He, I thought he'd be, Chase wearing, Fraser? he'd be wearing number nine, have Steinhaus on his back. That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> Frazier played a really good game, but he's a tough check. He's very quick. Yeah. Um, and then they've got the lefty over there, who I thought played well and obviously had a tremendous game again this weekend. So they've got they've got some uh, some difficult matchups. Well, Josh Byrne is Byrne, that's like uh, some of the things he's doing right now with just his work in the air around the net is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I don't know, has there been another player that jumps out at you recently that just can, you know, he, he is near the crease and then he is in the air and it, it, it's, he's still like, he's on the ground. Like he's, he's a lot more dexterity and finish to do anything wherever he, he's he is. a more athletic version of that Ratcliffe kid that played for Philly back in the day. He, uh, okay. he he would yeah, score yeah. four or five a game, purebred goal scorer, but he was always in and around the crease, not in it, but falling through it or over yeah. it. Or, and he could always wait to the last minute to tuck to Jeff Ratcliffe, I think was his name. In, incredible touch, but was always in the air, through the air, falling through. Like, it was something. And I, and I made this point to Nick when I was talking to him on, when I saw him on the weekend. He doesn't, like, Byrne doesn't jump across. He jumps up. Yeah. Kind of like, like what Challen does when Challen gets his up. But, and I said to Nick, I said, like, you know, you're you're out challenging a player, and all of a sudden he's up above you. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's got to totally change how you would play a breakaway. Yeah. I, you know, everything I've ever taught because of the cylinder, you've got to go. You got to work a goalie side to side. But yeah. now the dynamics is totally blown out of the water with this guy jumping straight up over you. So yeah. I imagine there'll be some adjusting, and you know, this will be one of those things where you know. Uh, they'll have to find an answer for that because they're going to see them again in, in important games. But I, I did feel like some of those matchups up front were were tricky. Like Dane left a lot on the table. He had some really good looks, and uh, Nick made some great saves. So, again, just a tremendous lacrosse game. Too bad we couldn't get it. It would have been such a steal. Uh, but, you know, you move on. You can't you can't disregard missing Tommy and Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's not do that. Like you take anybody's top two guns out of the – out of the lineup and it you know becomes difficult but maybe some more time at practice on the power play maybe figure this out because we, you can't let those five on threes go you can't let five five minute power plays go you just can't especially not in that juncture of the game so hopefully we can uh right that ship and find a way to to produce now <clears throat> before we take a breather and welcome in uh robbie hellier uh, i know you wanted to chat a little bit more around the league and what you're seeing kind of thing and i know uh well, I mean, I a little discontent maybe with the level of play in certain games, but well, yeah, I mean, early it, on here, yeah, I'm, I, you can't. Although we are almost at the halfway point, you can't of. run from what New York is. I don't think if anybody's seen them play, it's it, you know, to me, this is a really non-competitive group whatsoever. I, you know, it looks like a team that has no, again, not to lump them on. It's an expansion team, but this is what you'll see with expansion, and it starts with goaltending and. You know, it's hard enough to find a great goalie if you're one of the top six teams, let alone a new team in the league. And, man, you know, like they're just going to get, you know, they're going to get some goals scored on them. It just seems like they're nowhere near the level of competition of anybody they're playing. I've only seen them play three times. It's just it has not been a good product. Uh, I hope it turns around. But, you know, when you're starting from that and, you know, there might be a little sense of not knowing where you're going or what what your strengths are or anything. And man, I just watched the San Diego game with them this weekend. I wasn't, you know, as a fan, it wasn't a great game to watch. And I don't mean to down on the league. I know expansion's important, but the product wasn't where it should be. You watch the Bandit Rock game, you know, you watch the Halifax Colorado game. You're seeing great lacrosse. 
And then you see that, and you're like, yeah, I don't know. So hopefully this stuff irons out, and it speaks to the point, again, like if, if expansion is going to be something real in this league, these players from the U.S. are going to have to fill shoes. Yeah. It, it's inevitable because uh, you can't put Band-Aids in this league, you know, just to fill a spot because they will be exposed. There's too much talent. So, you know, that's concerning to me, The kind of what New York is. Uh, this Halifax story is starting to be a good one. You know, there's a quote-unquote new franchise, but with the old Rochester players, games on TV anyway, they seem to be, the atmosphere seems to be solid. They're winning games. Yeah. That's kind of the right recipe, obviously. So kudos to them, and they come in here 6-0, and I think, this week. Mm-hmm. And I expect another one of those great games. Uh, so there's a lot of good. And then, like I said, a little some stuff that might be a bit concerning when you look at expansion. You Again, you can't run from it. You can't pretend it's not there. It's a bit of a travesty what New York is right now. So, you know, before we go jumping and adding a bunch of new teams, you know, I think it's really important to look at this thing and say, well, but the business side of, of, of things isn't my forte. So I'll, I'll stay out of that. But uh, the, the logos, the new logos at center, I love. <laughs> I think they look great. That's um, good. <laughs> what else? There's a few things that have been bugging me. But Well, it's I, tough. I, just to speak about expansion a little bit, you know, there's a – a pretty special player about to come into the league next year by the name of Jeff Teat. And if, if, and when, you know, we understand there, the plan is for expansion and that there yep. would be another team next year. And New York is not going to have the benefit to have a Jeff Teat to build around it. He will land in, you know, if Wherever. everything, if everything goes according to uh, previous years and the expansion team gets the first overall pick, they've got a, we're going to have a pretty good franchise guy to, to build around. Yeah, and New York missed it. Like, you yeah. know, like this is the, you know, I can remember, like I said, I've been through this. I've been through this with Vancouver and Edmonton and Arizona, all these, you know, it just doesn't happen every year that you get that guy. And then this yeah. guy comes into the league the next year and you just missed him and you literally could build around him. Those players are hard to come by. I can imagine Challen would have been the same type of player. I, You know, Challen didn't even go first overall in his no. draft class, but, you, you know, they come, but they don't come every year. And you got one coming in next year, so it'll be interesting to see. And I'm going to stay on this until I see otherwise. I really hope he ends up in Toronto. I really hope he ends up in Toronto. I like this kid. I've yeah. seen, I, I, I hadn't seen him play till the summer. I really hadn't. And then I, I saw him play, and I was like, my goodness, this is a uh, – this is top-level talent. Really, uh, you know, not a big kid. Anyway, we'll get to him later, but he was Yeah, he was I'm sure right now there's 12 other teams yep. around the league right now and soon to be 13 other yes. teams around the league that hope uh, That's right. so they that, get the franchise. You know, who's got the package to get them? Like, where does everybody finish? You know, yeah. but, man, it seems like, uh, you know, <laughs> franchise-changing lefties are hard to come by, and there's one sitting oh right there. God, and, yeah. and then there comes a team, unlike New York, will walk right into this, have them, and hopefully hit the ground running. You know, and then maybe they package a pile up other things up to get a goalie because it is tough to win in this league without a goalie or at least stay in game. So um, that's that going to be the tough thing because I actually had a conversation last night with uh, Steve Dietrich when we were on our yep. way up uh, to and from the MSL draft last night in Peterborough. And that was what we were talking about was development of goaltenders and Steve obviously being a goaltender in his former life. Uh that's the thing is that, you know, with major series across in the summer and only six teams and that, like, where are you going to play? Because everybody's got a goalie for the most part there. And where are you going to develop? Well, like, I mean, some teams have two all-star NLL yeah, goalies in yeah. their roster, let alone. Yeah. Yeah, it's 
I think all these things need to be looked at. And again, we'll, we'll get into this. We'll pick a, an off yeah. week to get into this more. But, you know, what about making the net smaller again? Oh, really? Well, I mean, you can't have what I saw Saturday night. I There has to be some resemblance of hope. And yeah, all of a sudden the, the Toronto-Buffalo game is maybe a 7-5 final. But, you know... On the other end of it, New York's not getting handed 18-10. Yeah. 17-9. Like, I don't know. I don't know what, because you have to account to some degree for the lack of depth in goaltending. And maybe it's something simple like that. I love the big nets. I love the goal scoring. But not every team, or even close to every team, is going to have an NLL, top-tier NLL goalie. And, um, you know, when you don't, when you don't, you don't, and, and that's that. So I, I don't know what the answer is. Maybe going to MSL size nets. I hear you. I just feel that goals are so important. I think to the average fan watching a game that doesn't maybe understand that a seven-five game is great. Fair enough. And like you I know, said, I, I I don't have the answer. Yeah. But I know that I know what I watched Saturday. I turned yeah, it off. Absolutely. I'm, I'm yeah. a huge fan of the of the game, and it just wasn't exciting. One team just and this is the seals they're playing the two the now two and five seals who haven't blown the doors off anybody who had and then you watch the Philly game the night before with them like I caught the tail end of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just come down and score, come down and score, come down and score. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it, it 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 must be frustrating in New York, I imagine, and I'm not here to lump on them. That's not yeah. my intent, but I think. Uh, this is what happens in any league with expansion. So, yeah. you know, what do we? What does the league have to do to account for this moving forward? What, what's the answer? I don't know. But I, you know, you, we've got to find players. We've got to find goalies. We tweak the rules a little bit. You know, whatever it must be done, I just don't think it can be neglected. So, you know, and, and like I said, I saw some fantastic games too. So, more good than bad for sure. I just think, uh, yeah. That's that. Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting. The most interesting thing, I think, to watch overall is how these standings are going to play out because I feel like there's some teams right now that are maybe not quite as good as their record. Oh, I agree. And, and, that how, and I don't know if there's going to be a chance for a correction as the season goes based on the schedule. With so much being, you know, divisional games. So so what happens? I don't the, know if some of these teams – I don't know if this is going to correct itself. You I, know? I don't like, know because you look at San Diego, they will get their horse back here and they should start to get better and win some yeah. games. But you're right. Are they too far behind the eight ball? They pretty much have to run the table within their own division. Yeah. Because – and they're, they're a poorer example because in that division it's a little tighter. But you're right. You look at Halifax, 6-0. and the Rock have had a fairly good start at three and two. If they don't get this one this weekend, they fall to three and three, and they go to that's a big gap. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you're right because now they're they're not only battling to try to get one of those two top guaranteed spots, then you're just kind of in a fight to get in. Yeah, and, and this is what I said: like let's hope a game like that doesn't cost them. But I'm looking at it thinking like with the new division alignment, each in division game is worth so much more. Yeah, and. <laughs> it, again, having not been through it, we don't, we've never been through this. No. We don't know how how much weight there should be. Like, you know, but I, all I know is that if you're not in a top two spot, man, every point counts, and it's going to be a cluster at the bottom there to dig those out. And I don't think the Rock want to be that team getting in an eighth. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see. It'll keep teams in it a lot longer, which I think is good. 
Yeah. And it'll be cool to see how it plays out. So yeah. I, I was one of the, I came from the camp that I thought eight was too many. But let's let it play out and see what happens. Yeah. It could be exciting. And, and like I said, that we'll, we'll get to this later, but the impact this game this week has on the Rock, I think, is, is bigger than, you know, in their schedule a week six game is. I think there's a lot of weight on this one mm-hmm. uh, just because of how things have started off. You know, like Halifax has had some soft games to get going. And like you said, they haven't made any mistakes. They built that 6-0 and lead or 6-0 and record. Gosh. <laughs> but they've had that mix in that super convincing win over Buffalo. Absolutely. A banged you up know. Buffalo. A banged up <clears throat> Buffalo. But you, you're right. They took advantage of and, – and You know, San Diego just came off of, I think, a three- or four-game run where it was like – they you know, they didn't play anybody. Yeah. You know, it gets them back in it. And you can get on runs now. And I'm sure Toronto will have their run at some point where they see some of these teams. Hopefully, you know, we've seen one twice – yeah, in Rochester, and I don't, you know, I'm not again not disparaging what they are, but those got to be points, right? And yep. so, and, and then you know, of all this happened the same week of the band of game, like you know, it was to me the most screwed up NLO weekend I can remember in a long time. Georgia loses to New York. Rochester goes in and beats Calgary, uh, a skeleton Calgary team, but then just gets destroyed by Philly the next yeah. night. And now you got Philly sitting at what five and one, five and two, four and two, five four and two. two I think. Like so, I, I don't know what to make of it. These wins are important. That's all I know. So let's hope the Rock get one this weekend. All right, let's take a short breather here, and uh, momentarily we will welcome in Toronto Rock forward Robbie Hellier. We will take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access, and be back in a moment. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock along with Colin Doyle. And we now welcome in studio with us uh, Rob Hellier. Robbie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Hammer. Yeah, it's good. Doyle really wanted to get you on the pod here this week, so we locked it down, booked a time, and here we are. Well, that's not – Robbie reached out to me. Oh. He says he's got some things he's to get off his back, I think, say. driven <laughs> at you. One thing. At me? Oh, yeah. What's his? Or at Doyle. Or at me? No, it was oh. – Whoever the announcer is at the Rock game, I don't think well, it's, it's called. What's me? I don't. Is <laughs> I, it? Look, what? I, I set this up. Why? Thought, what don't you like anymore? No, what? there was just one instance. I, oh, we, Robbie, air who? It, air it now. Is, isn't it hell yeah? Is it? No, yeah. that's not it. There was, oh. I think it was 30 seconds in the Rochester game. Yeah. 30 seconds left in the game, maybe. Yeah. What Did I count I'm, I'm sitting on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> well, what? Obviously, I don't know what this I is. I'm hearing this for the first time. We don't we're have winning. the ball. We, we don't we have the ball. ball. We're up by one, so it's a defensive play. Do you already know what this? I have no is? idea. I'm hearing this line. It's a defensive all, play. What? We didn't I, get the defense. Are you gonna let him speak? Sorry, I'm just confused because I can't think of anything. But you're still right. speaking. I know, it's the lack of speaking that bothered, oh, bothered me. Okay. What I heard in the crowd was, "Go oh, Nighthawks!" Rochester chant. Go yes. Nighthawks! Go. Yeah. Does that fall on Mike? Is there not? I like, guess. Can yeah. you not pick up maybe a go Rocco or a defense chant? Or? You know, he's always out there with his keys to the game. He's not willing to. He's, <laughs> he jumps on those. He gets them out there real All quick. Right. He comes in. I got to go back and look at the timing on that. I don't think I was it was only 30 I want to say 30, 30. I don't know exactly. I don't that's too. I'm. That's. I don't like hearing that, Mike. That's too bad. I heard go. Because like, I remember rock, we were trying yeah. to queue up. Nighthawk def- chants. Because we have a. <clears throat> Truth oh, be told, here, here do we really want to go? In? No, this. I remember we were trying to queue up the defense beat late, late in the game, and it didn't. 
it didn't fire necessarily, I think. Are you I putting think? this on Iggy or what? No, that would be on Sweet Lou. Oh, oh well, hang on here a second. <laughs> he doesn't have a microphone. <laughs> yeah. No, but he's got the button to push to get it we going. We can get Sweet Lou in here real easy. <laughs> I know. I got to th- I gotta look back at the time. But I know, exactly, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about with the Let's Go Nighthawks, that yes, chant that's that, what that it was got going. And I was... We were very surprised to hear, like you could hear it obviously up where we were. I was, I was sick, or I would have done my was, part. I was just under the weather. I couldn't. Yeah. I sat there, and I and now that you bring it up, Robbie, I can remember not not being any rebuttal from the rock side. And here. I just I, I'm sitting on the bench, and I'm sure the D guys didn't like hearing that. I'm sure they were focused, but <laughs> you know how mad Rosie was. He decided to fire it in the empty net <laughs> with he? eleven and a half to go. Did he, did he get there? <laughs> he didn't get it. No, no. he didn't get There's it. There's a turnover. Well, All I, right. this so is, is that it? That's the only reason you wanted to be on the pod, and now we're done. No, right. it was just well, that came up, and I before I forgot, right. I had to. I got to. I want to go back and watch the end of it. You got to respect will, the guy. I will guy. try to get better. This this is good radio. You respect him. He doesn't bring it up off air. This is good stuff. He <laughs> saves it for the air. And and any of the, the other players of listening, if you've got issue with Hammer, oh, yeah, this is the spot to do it. line up at the door on Tuesday nights. Don't, there you go. don't bother bringing anything to me. But if you've got an issue with Hammer, these podcasts are the place to do it. I brought it up with my wife. She warned me that maybe you'd have some you know bad blood towards me in the future. No, but I, I don't said think so. If that's I, wonder, the case. I wonder if he doesn't really give you a big hell yeah next I'm time. I'm wondering. Yeah. Hey, Rob. Go she really likes Robbie. That. Yeah. Just goal scored by Rob. <laughs> goal scored by Rob. <laughs> well, speaking of, Robbie, That's it. if we can move past this, and I know it's tough. Like, uh, I've been in your shoes. <laughs> what? <laughs> but you have been doing a lot of scoring, Robbie, and I know like Mike's going to get mad at me if uh, I don't talk a little bit of lacrosse. So we got a few other things to get get at with right. you here, so, but I will, ha- I will open with a lacrosse question. This is the Rob Hellier I'm used to seeing. This is what I expect. This is – is this just um, – is this just you being healthy for the first time in a long time, or is something else clicked? What's going on? You're back to the player. You know, we all thought you'd be um, deadly shooting the ball, getting to the net underneath, uh, kind of a triple threat, and obviously the success has come with it. Uh, any reason in particular, and I know this is a silly and a stupid question, but we're all happy to see it. Why? I think the health is the biggest thing. Sure. Blowing your knees never easy. And I didn't think it would take that long. Um, last year, it was it was starting to come back by the end of the year, but then obviously laid an egg in the playoffs, and that you know left a sour taste in my mouth. So coming into this year, it was kind of like laid out on the floor, like whatever happens, happens, and it's just playing with confidence, playing loose, and getting back to what I used to do. Right. The ball starts falling for you, obviously. The confidence starts rolling. I yeah. mean, like I said, you're scoring every which way from sideways. You're scoring from the outside. You're scoring to get into the cage. And, again, I think this is, as Rock fans, this is what we expected and this is what we will continue to expect. Was it difficult for you, and nobody's touched on this, but, you know, essentially the team was to be turned over to you offensively to a certain degree when kind of all of the older people left, myself included, and then obviously things changed, the dynamic changed, and, and Tommy was introduced into the mix. And I don't think, and again, I don't think people can just look past this. When you add another alpha male to it, does it make things difficult? And and this isn't a slight on anybody because uh, you both know you're great players in your own right. You both know what you do well. But when you introduce something like that, does it take some time to iron that stuff out? Oh, absolutely. I think because Tommy's first year, I was out. That's right. So he was, I think Hickey, him and Hickey were on that right side, main guys over there. Yeah. So, yeah, Tommy basically ran that offense, and then I came back, and it was a transition for both of us, I think. Cause Tommy used to have the ball 
you know, nonstop his first year, and then I came back, and I'm used to having it. So, yeah, it's it, I think it's tough on everyone when you think you know your role and you come in. Sure. And uh, it's an adjustment period. Uh, my first year back, coming back from a knee injury, just a lot of things going on. Yeah, and, uh, and never mind the alpha male that you're sharing time with now has just started playing this game. And which, he's incredible at it. Right, but there's so many of the nuances he may not know. And, and off-ball play is something that Tommy and I and Mike have discussed on the on the podcast. He's very open about it. He's still learning that. And I felt like before he got injured were three of the best games he's played, and the stat line wasn't full. Mm-hmm. But it was moving without the ball. It was picking. It was getting, creating opportunities for others. It was picking up ground balls. I really felt like he was doing it all. And, of course, you know, you were – you were bearing a lot of the stat line stuff, but you know that could easily turn. And if you're doing those things for him, all of a sudden he throws five in a game, and you've got the one and six. But all those little things, and I think that's ultimately what'll make this offense so deadly. And I'm sure you agree. But like I said, I think it was important to kind of feel you out on, like you said, coming off an injury and and having the offense fully flipped to somebody else coming back into that situation is not easy. It's not easy at all. But I think for our offense, if we're going to be successful. I don't think we need to have a guy with 10 points. Right. And there's so many weapons on our, our offense. I mean, just our right side alone, the three guys that can do every, you know, score every which way. And then you got the left side too. And Jonesy comes back. You got Pop, Reader, um, Mans, and, and Craig over there. There's so many guys that can put the ball in the net and do everything so well. So I don't think we need a guy with 10 points. We got four or five guys with five. We're going to win every game. Right. Now, this kind of contradicts what I've said publicly on this podcast before. I feel like sometimes it's a bit of a detriment when there isn't a go-to guy. Because I do feel like this team, in some instances, when you're all looking down the bench in that one-goal game, well, well, who who does it? I've always, my experience, I always said, well, like when there's that one player, things happen. And it gets done. And it may not be him that gets it, but it's him that generates the opportunity Speak to us about that, and obviously this is a hard thing to speak about, and I respect that because nobody says, well, I want to be the man. You know, Kobe would. <laughs> I was just going to bring him yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, like as much as sharing it and everybody doing their part is awesome, you know you're going to be in that one one goal game with the bandits one way or the other where something needs to get done. And, uh, like, speak to us about that. Like, how do you guys navigate this, or do you? We always want – you always want the ball at the end of the game. Right. You know, tie game in the playoffs, you want that ball. You want to be taking the shot. But at the same time, if you're not feeling it and someone else is, you know, all like absolutely. So, but when you're looking down the bench and, and you're kind of the guy, um, it's a good feeling knowing that people trust you and, you know, they, they you believe that you can put the ball in the net when – when it comes time to it but at the same time there's so many guys on our team that if the play doesn't work whoever's the shot's for you know they're gonna find the open guy anyways so right but somebody's got to initiate you know like somebody's got to say look give me the ball make something happen i don't know what it's going to be but i'm i'm Mm -hmm. either going to get to the net myself or i'm going to draw a double or a triple team and i'm going to get whoever's open the ball just give me the goddamn ball and again um without putting you on the spot you know that this was the mentality that kind of my generation had yeah um and sometimes when that got convoluted 
and to nobody's fault, you know, nobody got it done. And, uh, you know, I, so I can see both sides of it. So I, I'm always interested to hear about this. And like I said, I think it's something that will sort itself out with this team because I think you and Tommy and Dan and, and Jonesy are so good at carrying the ball. But ultimately, you know how it's going to be when push comes to shove. So mm-hmm. I, I'm interested to see how this thing plays out. But like you said, and I, I won't ask any more on it, but uh, it's interesting to hear your take. And uh, when you're loaded with talent, it's uh, certainly a good problem to have. I just think the team does need to sort that out. That's just my opinion. And I think it will sort itself out in the end. So do um, I. I mean, it already has. I mean, the way this is rolling right now, right now, like you're you're the guy, and you you keep dumping the ball in the net. Eventually, that stuff sorts itself out, and that's you know, like you said, you're not going to have to hang six every night to win, but there are going to be nights where you do it, and I think that's I think it's a big thing. And like I said, looking at the other side of that is what Tommy's done you know, quietly without the ball. And he's working on his game. You know his goals are going to come. His assists, his points are going to come. He's just too good. But as he navigates the rest of this, I think it's nothing but upside for this offense. Absolutely. And he's so smart, too, and he wants to get so much better at every aspect. Right. So it's it's only going to benefit our whole offense. And, and your power play probably doesn't go over in the most important part of that Buffalo game if no. you got Tommy and Adam because there's no way they can play you the way they did when Adam's sitting on that left shooter. You know, it's, it's back-to-back goals. You know, because there's no way Vince is sitting there and saying, "Well, don't let Hellier shoot." Well, he hasn't had a whole lot of t- success with with you know either Tommy coming at him from the top or Adam coming at him from the shooter. So we did talk about that earlier and how the power play kind of let you down in that game. But I think ultimately, you know, injuries did play a, a role in that for sure. Well, we talked a little bit about your relationship with Tommy, but he's been pretty vocal in the past years about how much he looks up to you and tries to learn stuff from you. Are there things that you have learned from Tommy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his stick is something I, <laughs> I don't know. He's got some, some of the crazy stick skills I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, obviously playing with Colin helped a lot. Seeing that and getting used to that, yeah. getting passes behind the back that aren't going to hit me square in the face. Uh, I think my early years when I was 18 or 19, I got yelled at a few times, but we won't bring that up. (laughs) Even if it hit you in the face, it's still your fault. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he's just so skilled. I mean, and getting used to his tendencies and, you know, just what he can do with the ball. And he's just so calm out there too. Yeah. So he's a lot of fun to play with. Um, And, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I want, want him to get back as soon as possible. Why don't you talk about the relationship with you and Colin? I mean, you just kind of talked about it a little bit maybe there in a uh, not-so-descriptive way maybe, but just about how, you know, you came into the league at 18 and here's a guy that I'm sure you probably looked up to a little bit uh, growing up and that kind of stuff, but what was it like those first couple of years and uh, being <laughs> being the young guy around Colin? Well, the first year I was quiet and you know, standoffish. The second year I got hurt. I, I yeah. don't know if that was a blessing or, <laughs> or what it was, but I was living in Kitchener, someone's calling, and I got hurt. And <laughs> we always seemed to find ourselves at the pizza joint oh, yeah. after practice on Tuesdays. And, but I was running on Tuesdays. He was running. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't. I looked a little pudgy after after that year, but <laughs> I would say that year I was not a good influence on Robbie. I enjoyed the company coming from Kitchener. I still have that pizza all the time, man. Oh, I it's go, so good, so good. 
I'm sure you've moved on physically. Like I, I know that I you don't, don't have do the pizza pizzas after anymore, practice anymore. They were good times. It was. We fun. chatted a lot though. Those trips, we talked a lot. Now I'm going to touch on this now. I, I think it's. I think it's neat for our listeners to. I mean, you got to. He's such a unique story because of where he came from, and I. Th- I don't think everybody truly knows it. So, you know, Robbie's from a town that is about an hour north of Owen Sound, and it isn't close to anywhere. And he was a high-end hockey player and a high-end lacrosse player, and. Robbie, I want you to kind of walk people through like what it meant for your parents to get you and your brother to where you needed to go to just play a home hockey game or to eventually play a, a midget lacrosse game. I think this is fascinating because, you know, as parents, you always sit there going like, man, we put a lot of effort in. Like This is on a different level. And for, for Robbie to get to achieve the success he has, I think it's a testament to him and his family, who I'm whom I all know well. But I want you to tell everybody, kind of paint the picture of, what it was like for you as a 12-year-old kid to go play a hockey game or a lacrosse game because I don't think people truly understand. Yeah, and it was it was just normal to me. I, I didn't we didn't know any difference and <laughs> which is um, part of his appeal. <laughs> part of the whole family's appeal, believe me. But like yeah, for practice driving on sound hour one way on a Tuesday night, eight o'clock. Um you know, as a 12-year-old kid, you don't you don't think about that. But my parents did it all summer with me playing lacrosse, and then my brother, um, he was playing AAA, and those practices were an hour and a half, twice a week, through wow. the week. And then sun, Saturday, Sundays, they'd drive to Oakville, Niagara Falls. And then my dad, who plows, uh, plows snow in the wintertime for the township, he'd get home at 2.30 in the morning and he wouldn't even go to bed. He'd hop in the plow and he'd start plowing. He'd do a full 24-hour shift. So I don't know how they did it. Wow. Um, and, and, and this is just to get you or your brother to a home game. That's just, yeah, yeah. a home wow. game. And, and then, yeah. you know, the the travel it's on top incredible. of that. Incredible. But they were absolutely amazing to us. Um, and, yeah, we, my brother and I had no idea. And looking back on it now, I don't know how they did it. It's it, it's incredible, but starting out playing lacrosse, I think my first yeah my first year was in Wyerton. So that was right. that. start a conversation like that. <laughs> my, my Here's very a guy who's one of the pro? best yeah, premier uh, goal scorers in the NLL yeah. played his first year of lacrosse in Wyerton. My yeah. first ever experience wow. with lacrosse, I my dad had no idea. We had no idea what we were doing. We see a lacrosse stick and see guys hit people, and I brought my full hockey equipment. <laughs> Shin pads too. Everything. Just, my dad's like, I have no idea what you need. Yeah. He just brought the whole bag and, and a stick. So we went to the Wyarton High School gym, and it was like a first timers thing. And yeah, I loved it. And, it's, and the rest is history. They, uh, wow. the the, the fellow who drywalled my house in Wyarton when I built it must have been Robbie's first coach, and he would carry on all the time about there was this, you know, when Robbie played, he was just so much faster than everybody on the floor. It's amazing this guy, Robbie was probably eight years old or whatever at the time. It's amazing. Like, Robbie's still the fastest guy yeah. on the floor. And Robbie went on, he will be he won't boast about it, but I think Robbie went on, you know, to be, you know, compete for Team Ontario at, at different levels. And, again, for all these people that come from these, these towns, you, you may think you'll never get your due. I mean, this is coming from – the furthest away from a lacrosse, you know, yeah. like a hotbed that there is. And, and Owen Sound has a nice little program, but, yeah, you know, he achieved so much success at a, as a youth and then obviously went on to be, like I said, a high-end hockey and lacrosse player. When when was it for you that you said, like, 
look, I think I'm going to have a go at this lacrosse thing and kind of give up on any kind of hockey that I'm playing? Or was that even a tough decision? Like, No, that was – It was, I got a tryout after I was playing Junior C in Hanover, and I got a tryout with Windsor Spitfires. Um, and I called the GM because at the time I was told – because I was still thinking about going NCAA – so I was at the time I was told that if I go try out for the Spitfires, it could ruin my eligibility for NCAA lacrosse. Even so, I wasn't sure. My parents weren't sure. And Windsor had just won the Memorial Cup, so the last thing I wanted to do was live in Windsor and sit on the bench or in the stands as a 17-year-old, five hours from home. I was pretty much a homebody. Not pretty much. I definitely was. <laughs> You've been up there. You know, you, it's God's country. <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, Windsor's a tough sell versus that. that. Trust, me. <laughs> Trust me. I know. So, I think, I, I, yeah, I called the GM and I said I'm not coming. He gave me an earful about not wanting to come try out for the <laughs> reigning Memorial Cup champions. And I played Junior B in Waterloo and that didn't work out. I went back to Junior C and that was, that was it. And I never did go to... NCAA obviously I entered the draft at 18 and lucky enough to win a championship my first year and obviously your connection with Matt Sawyer who at that point I think was a scout or maybe even a coach was he coaching the rock at that time he was a scout so he obviously had the inside track knowing that you had bailed and probably weren't on anybody's list you ended up going I think in the third round to the rock didn't you yeah something like that and then you know lo and behold you you come in and you played in the final game that year Uh, yeah which wasn't expected I don't think it was supposed to happen. Whose job did you end up taking? Like, who were our rights in your first year? I think I took Matt McLeod's job. Good buddy of yours. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I wasn't real happy about it, but. But McLeod was still there. He was still yeah, rostered was, with us because yeah, he won he that championship there. with us. Yeah. Who was our right side? Humor me. This was 2011. How old were you? 18. Man- Man- Manning, Billings, me. There was one more because there's only three. Uh, you and Pascus and Steph were left side. Look at that, hey! Look at that Pascus. memory, Pascus. His name his keeps name coming up on this thing. Who's the fourth righty? Uh, oh, it, it, it wasn't it, um, uh, Madalena. He was a lefty. Okay, but it was him and uh, oh, it was him and Pascus fighting for time on the left yeah. side. And then who the heck was? Well, the, I'm looking up the box score here. Hang on here. Do you score in the final game? Uh, I think yeah, you did. Five hole on oh, T Rex. Yeah. yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah you did. Uh, I got a cool picture in my parents um, in my bedroom at my parents of us. Yeah, I've, I've oh scored. wow, you guys are just gonna just What? You're gonna be embarrassed when you don't realize who the other righty was. Who is it? Come on. Wilson. No. no. Billings. The second Manning. coming of Aaron Wilson. Oh, Boomer. Oh, boom. Yeah. Oh, God. Boom's going to tell me. I hope he doesn't listen yeah. to this. <laughs> Excuse my That's language. Nice. Oh, oh, no. Oh, man. How do we forget Boomer? Oh, my goodness. You're right there. And I even remember Madalena. He only had two goals in that 8-7 game. Oh, I'll though. tell you what about yeah. that final game, Robbie. You can – the, the, fir- the first half of that – or the second half of that game, Tyler Richards might have been one of the oh. best performances. I oh, yeah. only to be matched by Whippers. Both of them were, <laughs> I think we were seven two at half, weren't we? We were seven two, and then and we win eight seven. We won eight seven. Unbelievable. Steph yeah. got that underneath goal. Yes, he did. All oh, was unbelievable. Yeah, that brings back good memories. That seems like forever ago. Mm-hmm. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Are you the only one left on this team from that team? Am I? I wanted to yeah. ask you. Am I? I don't know if this. I don't want to pump my own tires. I don't think this is. <laughs> Am I the longest tenured Toronto athlete? 
Now that Marsh is gone? Ooh. There, I don't know if there's no. a soccer or Argo or... Well, well <laughs> Junkyard Dog. <laughs> Does he still play for the Raptors? No. No. I, no. I think Riley's the longest on the Leafs, and I've been longer than him. Well, there yeah. you go. Now, biggest contract or no? Close. Mm. <laughs> Things must have changed since I played. Anyway, we'll get back on track, but those memories from 2011 were awesome. It was so cool to win with you. We had a great relationship. So you're, you're essentially taking over a big part of the leadership on this team. Um, it's hard to believe you've been in the league how long now then? That was 20, like nine so years? Ten. Yeah, ten years? Nine. Would have been ten, but I blew my knee, so it's nine, I guess. Right. But well, that, yeah. isn't ten that years. something? Time flies, man. And uh, you're kind of in charge here with the rest of the leadership group um, to kind of bring this championship back. Uh, do, you, do you focus on winning like, or do you just focus on playing? You know, winning, for me, it ate at me. I always wanted to win. It was so easy to say, I just pro- focus on the process. But to me, I always got won over by, man, we got to win. Yeah. Obviously, I focus on winning. That's the end goal. But I don't like looking at the next game. That's kind of how I am. I won't watch anything on the team we're playing. Sometimes I don't even know who we're playing the next game. You just do you? I, yeah. It's. I don't know what it is. I just... I don't know if it's a laid-back attitude or what it is, but I love winning, obviously, but my process is focus on the task at hand and never look ahead. We were talking earlier uh, at the start of the podcast about the ability Kobe had at being like a cutthroat competitor but having everybody, including those he played against, having their respect. And I was saying, I don't feel like there's a ton of that left in any sport. And we, you know, Mike and I touched a little bit on lacrosse. You're still in the game. Uh, it, are these players fewer and fewer? Absolutely. I don't think. I, I listened to a story about Kobe on the way down when he beat Pau Gasol, and he put his gold medal in Pau's stall. <laughs> going into the Lakers training camp to get Pau jacked up for the season. Like that's never going to happen again. No. <laughs> Wow. Um, is there anybody wow. you can think of that still plays that has that mentality? I know I'm putting you on the spot. I don't. I don't. Not that I can think of right now. I feel it like is, Doby to an, ex, to an extent. I don't really know Dobes that well. So I feel like he's still that competitor, that old he'd, school. He'd go at you. Uh, probably Evans still. Yep. You know, probably a lot less than he used to be. But still, probably has that. I, again, <laughs> if there's any feedback coming back, list these players that still have this, or that, that, that people still think have this. And then, like I said, if you go back through the generations, that list just gets longer and longer. I think it's kind of a, mm-hmm. a neat thing to talk about. But I do feel like it's a it's a lost art. You know, there's so much friendship, and mm-hmm. you, you know, there always has been blending with the leagues, and you always know people you're playing against. It's inevitable. It's such a small small world, but you know, being able to draw that line. You know, at in, f- in figuring out what's most important right then and there, I think is is a, kind of a lost art. So, neither here nor there. But I wanted to hear your no. Your I think you're take right. I think yeah. you're right on that one. It's and I think it has something to do with the way people take criticism now too. Sure, they take it to heart, and and if a good buddy of yours tells you where to go, it's it might end a friendship. Right, and it shouldn't. I, it absolutely shouldn't. And I grew up old school, and I got told where to go every other game. So. I don't know. We're still friends. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. 
full circle. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, it's good to see you still got a little bit of that in you. And I think it's important. Like I said, I really think at the end of the day, the difference between winning and losing is some of that. It has something to do with that and trying to trying to creep that into the mindset of a team. And I think it's a, it's a more – like, I mean, Bill Hostrauser still got that mentality. Absolutely. He's, he's the perfect guy, and I can't believe he slipped my mind. But, he, you know, there is no gray area. No, but Billy, <laughs> Billy won't tell you to your face, but you know. That's right, but he'll play you. He'll he'll yeah. he'll play you as hard as he would anybody else because he's got to beat you that day because yep. he wants to win. Yeah, and uh, he's a perfect example. So I'm glad we came up with him. And is it also a little bit about hating to lose more though than wanting to win? Sometimes it could be, but like when you I, said, "Call when you said that winning ate at you and stuff like that." Was it? Was it a combination of hating the loser? I hated just... seeing other people win. Yeah. But I found a way to hate everybody I played against. Yeah, yes. that was I, the I next thing found I was going to say. Do that it. People you... don't hate their opponents anymore, I find. It's completely no, different. I, it's completely I agree. different. Yeah. I, I found a way, but not only did I find a way, I, I tried to find a way for everybody else to find that same despise. You know, you had to spread it in your room. And sometimes people are like, what the hell is he talking about? Like... <laughs> I thought that was his buddy, but you know, if you got that, like, you know, that that hatred of the, of your opponent, it I just felt like. And again, sometimes it was manufactured. A lot of the times, it wasn't. I truly didn't like most of the people I played against because I, you know, I <laughs> it was just the way it was. Sometimes you think, why would you? Why would you like the guys you're playing against? Right. And a lot of the like time, you really to... don't know them personally that yeah. well, right? And even if you do, they're your opponent, and you don't have to hate them. Hate them, hate them, but yeah. you, you hate. Like, you know, I had, I had to play against Whipper in a man cup. Like you know, at that point, Whipper was my idol, and you know, he was like my entrance into the pro game. He was all I knew. He was like, uh, you know, but yeah. it was difficult. But I managed, you know. So, mm-hmm. I, and it's it's a it's a neat topic. And like I said, I just feel like that is kind of and, and there's so many reasons why we won't get into it. Like I said, I think it's social media. But lacrosse has always crossed teams over. You're always crossing paths with everybody. There's always been summer lacrosse and winter lacrosse and field lacrosse and all these other entities. I just think people are so reserved about crossing boundaries that sometimes maybe they don't play as hard as they should. And I think if if your team has this mindset, it's us against the world, and this is how it's going to be. We want that trophy in this room, and I think if that can just leak in and leak in and leak in, I believe there's – there's a better chance you'll have it succeeding. I really do, and that that involves hatred for your opponent, passion for your the you know the logo on the front of your jersey, all these things. You just start to believe that it is you against the world. I mean, look at 2011, Robbie. Look oh, at absolutely. that roster. Look at the roster yeah. we won an We've NLL talked championship about that a ton with. of times. Yeah, that roster was wasn't Even, anything to look at. No, like we weren't the best team. Misfits. That's right, and we had almost won it the year before. You know, yeah, before, with, yeah the year I watched that. Right, Final and too, with so. with Billings and LeBlanc as kids, and like, anyway, I could go on all day, but like, you know, I feel like, you know, Saskatchewan had a bit of that. I just felt like they had that edge for all those years, and it really benefited them. And this could be a byproduct. What you're seeing this year with Saskatchewan is just them getting tired of having to have that, and it happens. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to stay on top all the time because I think all these things, it's it's draining mentally, it's draining physically, mm-hmm. and we could be seeing that firsthand with a team that was dominant for. Eight years, Saskatchewan. How long they've been around? That that group, six years. Their, I would say a good five was, years. I would say was their first was when they beat us, wasn't it? In the final in Edmonton, twenty fifteen was that was their first championship. But yeah. I feel like two years before that they, they had, had a good run, yeah. and then they kind of fell short. And then 
Yeah. But they've always been yeah, the, they've the class of this league. Yeah. Even yeah. the year they lost to Georgia, they were the class of this league. Yep. Georgia is a great team in their own right, but, you know, Saskatchewan was just that. So, you know, maybe we're seeing – and it happens, right? It happens everywhere. And that's why you look at you look at dynasties. It's so hard to come by because I think all these things play into it. And, and this this mental capacity to be on all the time and to be – to be focused on winning, I think it's it is exhausting, and it's hard to win consistently. Rochester went three years straight; they had that edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had that edge. That Going team, back to like what you said, like those teams, they both had a guy. Yeah, you know what I mean. They had Rochester had Jammer, and Sask has Mark. And you took so the word you, you took the words out of our mouth when we discussed this with Tommy before. I said it's clear as day. Those and then uh, Georgia has Lyle. Yeah, exactly. There is no question where that ball is going to be yep. when you need one. And I feel like I said this isn't a slight on this team at all, but I feel like you're all so unselfish and you all believe in each other so much. I think at some point it could be a detriment when you just want you need that guy. And, and like you said, that guy can be whatever it needs to be in that moment. <clears throat> but somebody needs to not feel bad about taking the ball and saying, "This, I got this. That's yeah, what could that, be a personality yeah. thing. Because you got to have that alpha male. you got to... Absolutely. <clears throat> you got to command that, right? Yeah, and I think this is going back, if you go back to Rochester now, that's going back nine years of championships between Rochester and Saskatchewan and Georgia. Mm-hmm. They had a man. They had the guy. So, and again... It's not to say that it'll never work the other way, but it'll be, you know, it just hasn't been that way. And I think that's why you think so highly of these guys. That And, you know, you can go on to all the great stars that have been, like when the chips are down, JT scored yeah. or made the pass that ended up in the back of your net. And you can go on and on mm-hmm. and on. You know, it was the gates. It, it, you know, there was always somebody. And uh, that that's just kind of how I view it, but that's all I know. So I don't I don't know any other way, and I think history always repeats itself. So it'll be good to see you guys figure this out. And I think this ultimately is so important for this group. And, and like I said, I say this completely unknowing anything about it because I don't know how you do figure it out, but I think you guys will, and I think you'll have to. And then you have all that shared point production, <clears throat> which is impossible to stop, but you're going to be in a one-goal game. It's going to yeah. happen if you win a championship. You might be in four you know, straight games just to win this thing. No, I think you're right. And I think I still think it'll figure itself out. So do I. And and we, we were talking. We hope we get Adam and Tommy back this week, and we get to see what this team is really about. You're going to have your hands full. Uh, yes, they we they will. don't come in as six and zero oh and and be a joke. So let's hope everybody's healthy. I'm really excited. Again, I get so excited to see this thing through. Big fan of yours. Always have been. Big fan of the team. Just like every fan, I want to see a championship. So here's to hoping. So to wrap this up on a bit of a lighter note. Rob Hellier bobblehead night coming up. What, what's Excited. The what what's do you the think? Date? February the 15th. Everyone that I talk to is the only thing they talk about. Oh, everyone you talk to. Like everyone, everyone that's a fan is like, I'm coming oh, to the bobblehead okay. night. Coming to the bobblehead's bobble a big attraction, isn't like, it? Yeah, yeah. People love them, yeah. I First haven't seen 5, it yet. 000. I got to see this thing before I pass judgment. Was, I think it's our best one yet. I've and that's that not just because Robbie's here, but I know the artwork and I saw the... The previews and was involved in that whole process, and I couldn't believe it. Like it does it, look good. It, it's good. You've seen it? <laughs> yeah. Well, Rob's a handsome man. There Rob, you got married this summer. <clears throat> it was a great day. A lot of fun. Beautiful woman. There you go. On to the next stage of your life. Look at you all growing up. I know. What are you, 30 now? 27. 27. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 27. <laughs> oh, that's great. Stay healthy, my friend. Have a, have a tremendous finish, just like you've started, and... Uh, 
honestly, I can't wait. You're so much fun to watch. The fans here should be thankful to see you play every night. So kudos. All right, thanks, Robbie. And uh, the way we started this off, I'll try to do better uh, Friday night. <laughs> if there's an opportunity that I hear a Thunderbirds chant going, I will for sure. Wait, I'll and, be looking up yeah, at I know, the press yeah. box. Well, you're not the only my, one that sometimes looks up when certain things aren't happening from the bench there. That could be a whole other segment about how often I get. Yeah, I've heard. Well, there's going to be a lot of Ontario people, <laughs> a lot of Thunderbirds fans at this game. Like, you're kind of not off the hook. They'll probably have a thousand or two here. There'll be some chance too. Yeah, you got your hands full here, Mikey. Let's see. So do our fans. Well, it starts with you. Okay, fine, but I need the support. Maybe focus less on the keys to the game (laughs) and focus more. I can't focus any less on. I just wanted to bring it up. I just wanted to bring it up. (laughs) And I'm saying to any player listening, if you're you're welcome on this podcast, but you have to air grievances with Mike before we (laughs) start. Sure. Oh, there's one thing. Oh, this no. is the second. This is actually the second, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. There was a question from a fan I wanted to answer. Oh, let's hear it. Which is it about the, was it the, the lacrosse jargon? Yeah, I don't. I think this is it. Egg and, egg and spooner. There you go. Explain yeah. to him what it is. All right. Yeah. Well, it's like a. I don't want to put them on the spot and sound rude, but some particular defensemen have terrible hands. So when they run up the floor with one hand on their mm-hmm. stick in front of them, it looks like they're carrying. An egg on a spoon. <laughs> yeah. It's juggling back and forth. and Yeah, so that's the one thing I can think of. That's yeah. one? Yeah. That's a great one. Egg and spooner. It is, I did yeah. escape me. That's been a while. I feel like that kind of faded out a little bit, but yeah. Well, there's less and less of them, but hey, hey off air, we'll go through a list of egg and spooners. <laughs> <laughs> How about that, Robbie? You and, and I. You're going to name uh, There's right? a few. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, good. I'm glad you remembered. You're a listener of the podcast. I like that. It's you and Hutchie's old man and Petey right now. I know I that like for a fact. I'm yeah. in the car oh. a lot. So. Yeah. I'm going to start listening to these two soon. <laughs> I need That's a good, good podcast. You got something for That's me? Good. I don't. I've been listening to the Howard Stern Show. I told Mike and our listeners this yeah. last week. I'm just glued to it because i got so much catching up to do. I'm really enjoying it. Okay. you got to give it a chance. I think I'm enjoying the Howard Stern Show, and it fills my both ways. Really? Yeah, I've never, just, I've never tried it. So yeah, give it a shot. I think you, you'll get it's worth it. But I'll think of some podcasts and email you separately. But okay. I haven't listened to a podcast in a while. I got through all those crime ones. And are they good? They're phenomenal. Like S Town is the best. You start with S Town. Really get you thinking. It's just incredible. It is literally an, it, it, you couldn't write a better story. Anyway, I digress. We'll talk off here. Thanks, Robbie. You're the man. Good luck this weekend. Appreciate it. All right, that was Rob Hellier, Toronto Rock Forward. We'll take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access. We'll be back to wrap it up in a moment. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Colin Doyle wrapping up the program today. And uh, we'll chat a little bit about this week's big upcoming matchup against the undefeated first place Halifax Thunderbirds. And they come into Toronto with uh, a lineup of players that uh, is a bit of a mixed bag, as we've kind of talked about a little bit off the air. and But that are pretty familiar. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of guys that I think... In the smaller NLL, the nine-team NLL, where some of these guys had had a tough time being in the lineup regularly. And, you know, you can look no further than their top scorer, Mike Burke, and then even down a little bit further, Stephen Keogh had kind of started to bounce around a little bit. But these are guys now that are uh, contributing and contributing big time. And then you factor in rookie Clark Peterson, too, who has been uh, really good and, for me, 
a favorite of mine the way he plays, and I thought he even could have been the first overall pick in this draft. Was uh, he a Bulldog at one point? He was not. No, oh. actually, uh, Mimical Minor and then Brampton Junior A. Gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, but just you the way usually he don't plays. gush over people unless uh, they have a tie to the Bulldogs. My apologies. Well, we can go back and talk to Mike. Talk about Mike Burke for a little bit. He's a doggy. Like. He was a doggy. He plays first two years of junior with us. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's not yeah. take the shine okay. away from Peterson right. here. Yes. Uh, but Clark, I think he just there was something about him always in his game in junior A that reminded me a bit of Adam Jones and the way he played in junior A. So, well, that's saying something. I really liked. Uh, I really liked the way Clark plays the game and. Um, but that's look, let's look no further here than what is. Pr- I, Tip your cap to Stephen Keogh. I've been a big fan for a long time, and he has had a couple of rough patches. You said that, look at this, though, 15 goals in two games, or sorry, in six games, yeah. and he's been nothing short of fantastic for this team. So I am happy to see that. They're pretty spread out in their scoring. Nothing jumps off the page to you other than how many people are scoring for them. Uh, this group is is winning the right way, playing as a team, but the one thing nobody probably saw coming was Warren Hill. Yeah. So I think the question remains, will this hold out all year long? Is this something that's real? Like you always have these questions with goalies. Um, is this just the year that he gets his opportunity and he runs with it? Or is this something that the bubble will burst? Uh, you know, we're about to find out because, uh, you know, he comes in or they come in here Friday uh, to hopefully what is a healthy rock offense with tons of firepower to see uh, see how they hold up. Uh, so, yeah, this is a team that's doing the right things. Like I said, they're they're playing as a team, and and you can't not talk, um, you can't not talk about how good Graham Hosek is. Uh, dictates a lot. It reminds me a ton of what Kyle Rubish did in his heyday. Literally, is a one man wrecking crew out there. You can't even have the ball near him, and then he chips in a bunch in transition. He's just a really nice player. And when you've, you know, you got the luxury of sitting somebody like Austin Shanks, that means their offense is pretty well rounded. So, obviously. Uh, I think my thoughts on the game are, are they for real or not? I'm still not convinced, but I have to give them the benefit of the doubt until the, until they come in here and I see for myself. So um, they've had a great start, and like I said, it's one of those nice stories. They went into a new city, and uh, the city has uh, has treated them well, and they've treated them well with a 6-0 and start. So I cannot wait for this matchup. Yeah, I mean, they've also got some interesting <clears throat> parts in their game, too. I think Brad Gillies is a guy who can generate some stuff in transition and, and pop in a goal here and there, and uh, he's only got two so far this year. But then you also have Jake Withers and the dominance he can provide at the faceoff dot, and I think he's probably around, trying to do the quick math here, but probably around 75% or so. That's something. On <laughs> the face-off Mr. Sake. Cree will have his hands full this weekend. <laughs> but that's, I think, something to talk about. Do you – how do you approach face-offs? I don't here? put because, Brad in there. Yeah, like I, I think you don't either. Like I, I think it's you almost kind of take a knee a little bit on the draws and realize you're probably just not winning them, and hopefully you create a battle for the ball, right? And, and that and doesn't have to be that. Brad. No, you know that no. can be any number of other guys that are in there. I think, and I think we've all seen it, and we I don't think we've talked about it. Maybe we have. I can't remember, but you know Brad's game is slightly different. His energy is different when he's in there every every round, and. I think hopefully they've come up with a solution, and we'll see how it works this week. But I can't see them putting Brad in there every time to go out to go at somebody who's pretty much unbeatable. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. But I think his defensive play is much much better when he's not in that circle every time. And one last guy I want to mention on Halifax is Chris Bushy because he has had a tendency to have these crazy big games. He Did he not have a six yet. goal game against us last year? I think he either, it was his first game in Rochester last year. I think he scored six or seven. It wasn't was it against, against us? It wasn't no. against us, no, but he us. scored six or seven. Yeah, <laughs> neither of us us. Were out there. Uh, 
And he is a former doggy as well. I like so, his game. I like his yeah. game a lot. I think he's got big potential, but there's a guy kind of. He's in he's, tough. He's like, been in righties. tough, yeah. Like, he wasn't in the lineup at the start of the year. Well, I mean, you said it. Mike Burke has uh, for forever been yeah. a, a, a Had fifth some pretty righty. Had good summers Has in been Brampton. a fifth righty yep. on, on every NLL team he's been a part of. He gets in. He'll produce a little bit. And then you'll ne- you don't hear from him again. And then yeah. you know here he is. And again, he's not blowing the charts off things, but he's obviously doing his job because they've you know they've given him that spot at six games, uh, six and twenty. He's right up there with Cody tied, and Cody seems to have found a little bit of a jump in his step again. Uh, maybe he's healthy, but uh, they're a driven team. You can they're focused. You can just tell. Um, and maybe this is a reflection of a new coaching staff and kind of a. Just maybe a fresh start. Who knows? But this was a team I felt like we handled pretty good last year, or the Rock handled pretty good last year. I don't remember how the season series panned out, but I felt like we were the better team. And I don't know that right now. This this is uh, this isn't going to be a game. I'm going to bother guessing. I, I just can't wait to see it to see if Halifax is for real and to see if we're for real. I agree, and I think just to quickly touch on Mike Burke, just one more time. I mean, there's. And you talk about him missing, but I was always fascinated with him is that, you know, he led junior A in scoring, I think in his last year of junior. And then, you know, just never, and has had good summers. He led major yep. series in scoring, I think, two summers ago. And, you know, it's it's always kind of a He's a, weir- a constant thing, in the summer game. Yeah, he, yeah. He is just, he's always kind of put up points, but was never, he had a little bit of a, a bit of success in Colorado for a little while, you'd say, but he just couldn't. I mean, he was in rock camp here at one point. Um in the year where uh, Brett Hickey was signed as a free agent as well, and Hickey ended up sticking and and scoring fifty, 50 goals, goals, right? So it was it was one of the, like you can't argue with that decision, obviously. And but he's just now maybe a little bit later in his career. He's uh, what would he be? I think he'd be turning thirty. This I was year, I'd be say so. between twenty eight and thirty. Yeah, I think he's a nineteen ninety birth year. So, um, but maybe it's one of these things. And again, if you look at his stat line. You look at their whole team stat line. It seems as though it's a ball-moving offense. You exploit opportunities when you get them. You know, all of their shooting percentages, aside from Jackson, are pretty high, and Jackson will move his up, I'm sure, at some point. You know, he's yeah. he's better than what those stats show. Maybe he just fits into this system a little bit better because he can move his feet, he can move the ball, he can take opportunities when they come his way. But, you know, he's not going to score four and 40 goals. So maybe this is just a reflection of maybe a new offensive mindset. Uh, you know, who knows? But, uh, yeah, kudos to him. Again, sticking around. He's he's put his time in, and he's caught on to something good here. Let's hope, uh, let's hope it sticks, just not this weekend. And, of course, the biggest thing to have a look at will be the uh, transaction wire here for the Toronto Rock coming up to see if Adam Jones and Tom Schreiber are – healthy enough to get back into the lineup this weekend. I think everybody is hopeful of that, but you likely won't see any of that until uh, probably later in the week, if at all, if that does come to fruition. But those two guys in the lineup would definitely uh, obviously change the rocks. Well, yeah, all world players, but let's hope they're healthy. I mean, this, this, let's hope we don't run into one of these things. Gosh, fingers crossed that, you know, they come back for a game and all of a sudden it sets them back three more weeks. The team doesn't have the luxury of weeks off uh, much more. No, and so, especially the game that's on the back end. Of this thing that's right. Is the Bandits on February 9th. There is, you go. Is next up. So, uh, so you know, two in a row at home, two divisional opponents. Uh, 
let's get everybody back healthy. Like I said, I don't think we played a poor game. I don't think the Rock. Sorry, I got to stop saying that. I don't think the Rock played a poor game in Buffalo at all. Um, so let's come back with another great effort. And we know how important those hard efforts are at home. And I think our fans respect that. They expect that, and I know I do. And I just I, and we didn't touch on this, but the addition of Challen up front was a nice. Like I didn't think it, yeah. it. He was a nice piece up there. He showed he can do this. And I think if given time, if this is never, if this is ever a decision that the team has to make, I think even after that one small sample size, and obviously they know him from the summer and what he can do, but he looked pretty comfortable out there, and it was a nice mixture of the three of them. And I thought it was he filled in valiantly for for Tommy. And uh, if we if we see him back in the back end again this week and we get Tommy back, I think that's even better. But uh, Chow did a great job out there, I thought so. All right, so that uh, Friday night, Scotiabank Arena, 7.30 is the game time. Uh, tickets still available at torontorock.com. Tickets in the lower bowl are becoming scarce. That's a real thing. So get those seats now as you're hearing this, as it may be even closer and closer to a uh, lower bowl sellout. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with sitting in the upper bowl. Great seats up there, too. So And you get closer to Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Technically. Uh, you're off, though. You're not going to be at the game Friday, you said. You're going to no. be off doing some coaching. Yeah, I'm heading to Vegas. So uh, I'm coaching uh, the Calilax team that I'm associated with for many years. Uh, they're having a U.S. box lacrosse tournament built around the NLL game, uh, Colorado and San Diego. So we get in there Thursday night, and we get to see a bit of the town. Uh, Going to take in the game Saturday. Can't wait to see it. Hope it's all has been advertised. It should be a lot of fun. Looking forward How to How many see- teams will be playing in this tournament? I think there's <laughs> six clubs at the Pee Wee Bantam and Midget level. So oh, so there'll be a significant number of kids at the game. There right will now. be, and they'll all That's see, good. hopefully, again, what's a great lacrosse game. And uh, like I said, compete a little bit. It's always fun being out, it, being around the you know the newness of box lacrosse down there and yeah. i think this is all encompassing for for these kids to to be able to play in a tournament compete at a high level and it is the best clubs in in uh in the states going to this thing so it'll be great for them to play against each other and it'd be great for them hopefully to see a top-notch indoor lacrosse game which some of them don't have the opportunity to do so so let's hope they put on a great show and i know how you know, when you're in a showcase game like this, the players usually get a little bit more fired up and the energy level and the and the product is usually pretty spot on. So I'm looking forward to seeing that and then probably see a lot of familiar faces after the game. So looking forward to yeah. seeing Vegas. You'll get to see Rosie. That's what I hear, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully after two big points Friday night. If not, I'm sure That's I'll right. let them know. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I think that'll be wrap things up here for the pod this week. Uh, don't forget again, like I mentioned, tickets are still on sale for – Friday night's game, uh, also coming up Sunday afternoon, February the 9th, Sunday fun day against the Buffalo Bandits, 3 o'clock start. And then after that, it's Saturday, February the 15th, 7 o'clock start for that one against the Vancouver Warriors. Also, Rob Hellier bobblehead night. That is outstanding. Can't wait. Yeah. That's an important night, the bobblehead night. I haven't seen it yet. Have you? Uh, I have seen photos of the mock-up. I believe they are here in the building. To be honest with well, you, we're looking at them all. The lineup right there. It's uh, uh, yeah, we got no Robbie there though. Schreiber, Schreiber, Doyle, Billings, uh, Shooter. Shooter, LeBlanc, Rosie, and Brody. Yep, quite a crew. That is quite a crew. Yeah, not a bad little lineup there. You got yeah. three left. Oh, they got Schreiber as a lefty. They got the stick. <laughs> no, well, he he's he can play both. I yeah, guess okay. so. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Oh, there's one hidden in the back there. Who's that? 
I think that might be a repeat of somebody. Oh, anyway. Yeah. So then we'll add Robbie to the mix, and then there's a tryout to get into the top spot there. So (laughs) Rosie's the only one safe right now. Going to be a great night. Halifax and the Bandits. Get out there. Cheer them on. All right. So in the meantime, in between time for Colin Doyle, I am Mike Hancock saying thanks for joining us, and we will chat next week.